Welcome to the Work Minus Podcast. We talk about what we need to drop from the way we think about work and what we need to replace it with to be prepared for the future. Go to workminus.com to see a transcript of this episode, more podcasts, articles, and a newsletter that connects you to the best ideas about work. All right, enjoy the show. Well, welcome back to Work Minus, where we talk about how to build a company that can thrive in the future of work. Today, our guest is Kyle Gordon. He's the VP of Sales at Stanley Security. Hi, Kyle. How are you doing today? Hey, doing great. Thanks for having me. We're very excited to have you on. We're all kind of waiting through a new world of work right now. Specifically today, we're going to be talking about some ideas about generations, about different types of leadership that come on. But I want you just to start off, introduce yourself and the kind of work you do. Yeah, sure. So um, I lead sales for Stanley Security, which is a division of Stanley Black & Decker. Been with the organization for 12 years. Started with the organization right out of college. Um, And... um, and have been fortunate enough to hold many different roles. Um, so I think it's important to say 33 years old um, and uh, just uh, enjoying enjoying leadership, enjoying kind of the different dynamics, but certainly have had a, have a, have had a fantastic experience thus far at Stanley and continue to learn a lot every day about the different dynamics of leadership. Yeah. So you, you seem like that unicorn person that's out there. You're young, but you have 12 years of experience and only with one kind of established company. So what's that like? I don't know many other people like you. I know it's weird, right? You know, I, I think it's, um, well, first of all, it, it, it all, I think I got lucky in landing in an organization that gives you so many different opportunities to fulfill professional development within one company, right? So it's a large organization. Stanley Security is, um, you know, call it a 10,000 employee. Uh, division of, of Stanley Black and Decker, which is a 60,000 employee division. So in, in, a, in, in some ways, you kind of cheat the system because there's many different jobs and many different companies within one large company. Mm-hmm. And so I have been able to sort of dip my toe into different things along the way. Um, but, but it has, it, it, at, at every turn, uh, I've been lucky enough to have mentors and friends and bosses who have pushed me into different roles that I may have not been comfortable with to start. And so that's, that's fulfilled. I would, maybe I call it the millennial craving yeah. that, that most of us have had um, and allowed me to stay with the organization. So how has it been for you as you've risen up the, the ranks at Stanley? Do you feel like it's been very natural? Have you had to learn about office politics that have been there for a long time? Has it been kind of a smooth transition? How do people who are older than you view that? How's it been for you? Yeah, I mean, a lot, all of the above in that in that question there. So, I mean, the, I think you get a little bit, at every level up, you'll call it, you get a little bit more visibility into the macro. Um, and so when, just my story specifically, I started out as an individual contributor at a field sales level and every day just went out and called on customer entry level sales position just went out outside sales called on customers every day and that was my that was my world right so it was my my team in rochester new york which is where i'm from and uh four or five strategic customers that i really helped solve problems on a daily basis and that was it that was that was my world and then Obviously, the next role, when it becomes regional, your world expands. There's different team dynamics, different personalities um, that, that you have to kind of understand, appreciate, um, compensate for in many times, uh, in many, many examples. Um, and yeah, sure, as, as, 
as you continue to add more people and more personalities to the organization that you're working with or responsible for, the uh, the dynamics change. So whether you call that politics or you call that teamwork, whatever whatever you want to label it as, um, being able to navigate the different nuances of someone's personality becomes more and more important. Yeah. I see your role as very much like a, a bridge between cultures, especially when we talk generationally. How do you feel like you use the word compensate? So I'm going to get into that a little bit more. How do you feel like you have to explain to people who are younger than you about, okay, this is what our culture is like. This is how we should respect other people. This is what we need to learn from others. And how do you also compensate for those who are, you know, older than you that are in those roles? So talk about that dynamic. Well, I I think one of the things, if I would say one of the things that has helped me um, and it, 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 it's unique to me, right? So I, I think if, if I think about a peer of mine who maybe at my same age went into a new role at a new organization at the same level, I think they would have a harder time because I, I have the benefit of 12 years of credibility within the organization, right? There's a lot of people in this organization who have mentored me still to this day. Um, since I was just, you know, entry-level salesperson messing everything up all the time, right? People have taken me under my wing or their wing, walked me through it. And so there's an added benefit for me that I've been with the organization. And there's a lot of people who say, Kyle gets it, right? He's been there, he's lived in, he's put in his time. So I think I do have uh, a, a little bit of a benefit in that in that sense, unlike someone else who would, who would be coming in fresh. Uh, one of the biggest things, and it, it is cliche, but it's so so important, I think, and it's more important than it was 10 years ago or 12 years ago when I started is, is, is really emotional intelligence, right? Being able to relate to people now is, is so important. Being able to understand what makes people tick. Um, when we say compensate, that doesn't mean money, right? That doesn't always mean money. That means how, how are you prioritizing recognition? How are you prioritizing your phone calls? Are you making sure that 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 you understand what people's personal dynamics are, what what their their life outside of work looks like, and and that and that resonates across generations. I think it's just more prevalent now, right? It, the same thing applies. That that one of my later tenured salespeople are just as excited to receive a thank you note or a phone call as someone who's been on the job ninety days. It's just that it's become a new norm, or it's become a lot more recognized now. Um, and, and frankly, um, companies are, are coaching leaders on how to be more emotionally intelligent. And so I think we're seeing a really cool dynamic play out in corporate America, um, w- which is, you know, we talked about this earlier with, with, with some of the other things, but a more empathetic organization uh, that, that's really building more, hopefully more well-rounded um, working environments. A lot of times when we talk about generations, you see it in the context of, okay, this is what you need to learn about millennials or Gen Z that's coming up. But I want to flip that a little bit. What can you teach other millennials about working with people from Gen X and baby boomers? What's a way that we can express emotional intelligence on our side? Just knowing that I don't think there's a more selfless or hardworking generation than those who have come before us. I mean, that's, um, I take this from a personal story. I, I was I was blessed, and now, you know I kind of live every day through through my blessing. I, I was I was born and raised in a fantastic family environment. I have two wonderful parents, an amazing sister, a dad who traveled across the country for 
damn near 20 years, um, a mom who commuted to work an hour and a half every day. Um, and I grew up in a, in a, a really nice neighborhood, a great, a great family environment, great friend environment, all of those things that I know a lot of people didn't have the luxury of having. Um, and so, and so starting with, with understanding first and foremost, um, that that generation has laid the foundation for what we're doing today, I think is critical. And then if you look in a professional setting, talking to our millennials about how to have an insightful conversation without looking at your phone, how to maintain eye contact, how to ensure that you're reading someone's body language, Gen X, baby boomers, when they listen to you, they listen to you. When they talk to you, they are talking to you. Um, when we millennials and Gen Zs talk to you in general, right? This is just yeah, generalities. Sure. Um, we've got other things on our mind. And, and a lot of times often what I think we try and coach our earlier tenured um, consultants to, to do is really to, to try and quiet that because if you're listening, just getting ready to respond, you're actually not truly listening. Uh, and we find that that's, that's a problem that we have sometimes with some of our earlier tenured uh, consultants. Kyle, you seem like a guy who's comfortable talking about privilege. You mentioned kind of your upbringing and the opportunities you've had in life. As a young, well-off white man in, in a leadership role, how do you kind of use that role to create space for others? What's your perspective on how you're doing that? I think there's a couple things. One, understanding that everyone comes to a conversation Everyone comes to an environment. Everyone comes to a, a community with certain biases, right? So just up, up front understanding and, and being honest with yourself that, you know, from an un unconscious standpoint, from a conscious standpoint, you're coming into this world with preconceived notions of other people. Um, and really not as much judging yourself for it, but definitely quieting it and, and, and immersing yourself in other people's points of view. I think, um, you know, one of the things that, that I've, I've tried to do and the organization is really, you know, this is, this is an exercise that I've been able to do through the organization because we have built employee resource groups and we have built um, kind of opportunities for collaboration um, at a local and a, at a national and a global level is to um, sit in and, and just listen to, um, to other people. And, and, and diversity of thought is, is just as important, I think, too, to think of, right? It's cognitive diversity. It's how people, you know, we have a ton of introverts. I'm an extrovert. How, how, do, how do I, you know, when I talk, make you feel? And, um, but then, obviously, sitting down and listening to, to people who have different upbringings, minority groups, um, and, and just sort of immersing yourself in, in that world. I was, I was lucky enough growing up to play college basketball, and, and that you know, I had, I'll call it some, some exposure to different walks of life. But even then, if I'm being honest, it's, it's not nearly enough to understand how, how other people live. And so, you know, being very vulnerable about that up front, I think allows you to have some intelligent conversations, right? And, and I think what's really cool about what's going on right now in the world is that we're seeing a, a new interpretation of political correctness. People aren't as afraid to have courageous conversations if you do so with the right intentions. Yeah, absolutely. I can sense that 
there's a definite difference between people who are who are genuinely interested in having these conversations and those who are just like, okay, I'm supposed to say the right thing for this. It can be disingenuous. You can be checking the box if you don't if you don't approach it with with the same passion that you have for your other tasks in a daily life, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Hey everyone, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, the best way you can support us is to leave a review in your favorite podcast app. Or better yet, start a conversation with a friend about how you think we can make work better. Thanks. Well, let's bring it to the present. We're talking here in, in April of 2020, and what's on everyone's mind is the COVID virus. We have all sorts of things going on. So tell us about how you, as a young leader, have experienced that change. What do you notice in, in generational differences and how people have responded at your company? So it dramatically impacted the way we work. Uh, I run, just so to put it in context, <clears throat> specifically to what my responsibility is, I run a, a sales organization of about 300 people in in, uh, in the United States. And they're all outside sales, right? So prior to COVID-19, um, their days and our days were dominated by road time, air time, face-to-face, handshakes, with customers, um, you know, dinners and, you you know, uh, trade shows and all of the things that kind of go into outside sales. And, um, Stanley Black and Decker was, was pretty progressive in, uh, their, their approach to shutting down or mitigate, I should say mitigating, um, consequences of COVID-19. So we had a full travel freeze, like the first week of March. So we've been operating remotely now for, a uh, a month, a little over a month. And uh, in that time, we've had to fundamentally change the way that we sell. Um, you know, for, for leaders, the Zoom calls are, are quite commonplace, right? We're, we're, we're oftentimes connecting on <laughs> whether it's budget calls or forecast calls or just regular updates. But for the salespeople, who every day go up and and, uh, and they meet a customer. Now we're educating them on doing Zoom face to face meetings, on Echo Sign virtual signings, on um, remote trainings, um, and so it's it's uh, it's it's been quite a journey in terms of understanding. I think the first thing we did in this process, and, and we've done this, we've tried to do this, and I know a lot of people try to do this as well. Um, just in general, when you're managing multiple generations, is allowing people to be vulnerable, raise their hand and say when when they're not comfortable and they don't know how to do something. Like I have a lot of um, team members who couldn't figure out how to start Zoom, and I'm like, "Yo, that's that is okay." Like raise your hand because for for every millennial that can spin up a Zoom combo, I, I guarantee you, you can coach them on how to door knock and get in a door and close. So understanding that that um, that you allow some space for vulnerability and that you set up very quickly um, uh, trainings to help people have some one-on-one training so that they can feel comfortable. Um, and I would say with that, also creating some space for failure, right? So with, with all of these people trying things for the first time, really coaching our managers on, hey, this is our new norm. This is what's expected of you and your team. It's still sales, meaning we still require activity on a daily basis and customer interactions on a daily basis. That's not changing. The only thing that's changing is the way in which we do it. Um, but 
come to that with the understanding that there is training involved here. And so let, let's make sure that we're asking the team to give us feedback on what, what would be more helpful um, on different training sessions that will help them get up to speed. Um, and, then, and then I think the kind of the, the way to close the loop on that is when you see it effectively work, you celebrate the heck out of it, right? Where you recognize it even over the top because you, you do have to recognize how uncomfortable this process was for a lot of people. Right. You only grow when you're when you're in your discomfort zone, if you will. Well, there's a lot of people right now that are still living in kind of an uncomfortable space because they're having to relearn things or unlearn and relearn things at at at, at you know, twenty-five years into a career, thirty years into a career. So I think it's really important to understand uh, that there is that personal dynamic going on for every one of our, our employees. Yeah, there are three things you said that really stuck with me. You said make space for vulnerability, make space for failure, and celebrate. I feel like that's a really great framework for, I mean, any kind of leadership, but especially when you're leading a diverse group and especially uh, diverse in terms of age uh, to create that space for vulnerability. For a younger person to be able to say, like, I don't know how to get in and have a meeting with this person and for, for that to be okay to say. And for an older person to be able to say, look, I don't know, understand how to work this technology. That's great. So I really like that framework. It's really great. And we work on it every, I, I don't mean to, to profess that we've got to figure it out, right? It's like, this is a daily exploration into social sciences and understanding the dynamics of people. And we fail every day too, right? In, in, in ways that we could have helped people out. But that, in that, that in, in, in and of itself is, is something that I ask our leaders to do and I do quite often is also raise your hand and say when you messed up, like to the whole organization as quickly as possible. Hey, we should have moved forward with quotas this month. That's on me. The reason I did this was act. I'm not sure if that was the right decision, but that's the reason we did it. And I want you guys to hear it from me. Like, I think that's really important to get out in front of, especially during times of disruption and a lot of uncertainty. Kyle, if you're going to be in this role for another five or 10 years, you're obviously going to be hiring and, and training a lot of people from the Gen Z that are coming in. You may even have some that are there already. Do you feel like the basic model that you have of leadership right now is going to stay the same? Or do you anticipate making any adjustments as you bring on even more new people? I think leadership and now, you know, brace yourself. Here's a cliche response. I think leadership in general is a constant changing, evolving thing, right? It's a living, breathing um, responsibility. So it certainly will change. It certainly will continue to evolve. I think um, one of the things that has attracted talent thus far uh, for us is, is we do have a lot of social tools and we have a lot of, we, we encourage, um, we encourage participation from all of our, uh, from all of our employees with their input and thoughts, but even more so from an influencing standpoint, we have a blog series and, and anyone can be an influencer within our organization. If they want to write something that we go and we publish, we, they, they have free reign to do so. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of folks that we're hiring that, uh, now from the gen, from the gen Z group and even millennials that, that, have a lot of thoughts, want to get their voice heard, want to be heard, and we've given them an avenue to do that. Write your blog, get with marketing, they'll work on making it look a little bit better, and uh, and we'll get it out there for the world to see. And I think uh, creating creative uh, creating creative outlets for uh, especially Gen Zs to be able to express their opinions is 
is something that has helped us attract some um, some different talent. Um, so that that's how we're going to continue to do that. And then you know, five years from now, what that looks like is going to be a, in my opinion, will be a totally different set of technology. It's going to be a totally different expectation of uh, leadership and how we communicate. Um, and so we'll we'll see what that looks like. But I expect it to evolve significantly. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're off to a good start with the framework you gave. And as long as, like you said, we're, we're continually curious, we're continually open to change and recognizing that we will all have to make shifts as, as things move along. I think that's a great start. Well, Kyle, this has been a lot of fun. If you have any resources or, or places people can go to stay in touch with you or anything else you're doing. Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. That's about it. I don't spend much. I do a lot of work. And then when I, when I got some, when I got some spare time, I, I, I spend it with the wife and the newborn and, uh, and I'm loving the heck out of that. Um, but you can, you can see me on LinkedIn or Stanley security. That that's about it. Nothing else to promote here. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks a lot for being on the show. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks so much. 